Although, I've seen some scripts and no words weren't spelled right. There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important. Hey, you want to get on the train here or you want to ruin another take, huh? It's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. Man, I don't drop character till I've done the DVD commentary. You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. That will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to get to Bremen. Welcome to another episode of the In the Mouth of Dorkness Chatcast. I am your host, Billy Das, the indie dork. You haven't heard these dulcet tones in a while on this podcast. And I am at the Dork Cave with Brad Gullickson, Mouth Dork. Welcome, sir. Oh, hello. Oh, I didn't see you there. I didn't see you there either. And all these lovely people who have filled out our bleachers in our door cave to watch us record live. Thank you so much for coming. Can you just let our listeners know how many of you are out there with a round of applause? Man, I am so glad that we have a live studio audience now. I, well, I mean, it's it's Palpatine's Sith army, basically, is what it is. Don't, I'm not, well, no, hold on. Let's, we can't be bringing in Rise of Skywalker stuff in, Billy, Billy, no. Let's, let's take a breath. Yes. Everybody's cool now. Everyone's cool. Everyone's cool. Yeah, it's all, all right. good, right? Chris Dorch. What? He is on the podcast today. Chattanooga Film Festival. The man, the myth, the, the legend. legend, Chris Storch. Yeah, yeah, right? Uh, man, Chris Storch, he is a guy that I want to be. Yeah, right? I mean, he's. I, th- I think he's got a lot of good things figured uh, out. As the kids say, he's living his best life now, <laughs> and uh, I want some of it. We've been going to the Chattanooga Film Festival for several years now. Our listeners are well aware of the Chattanooga Film Festival because they heard a bevy of really wonderful uh, conversations that we had last year with a bunch of their guests. Uh, the Rob Grant Harpoon episode, oh, yeah. uh, Travis Stevens talking about a girl from the third floor. Um, Mallory da- O'Mara talking oh. about the lady from the Black Lagoon, yes. Melissa Patrick story. Yes. And um, Dave Lawson. Oh, Dave Lawson. That's right. He was on as a result of all of that. Do you remember that conversation? Nope. I don't. I, why, I can't imagine why that might be. I feel like uh, there might have been some whiskey drug. I, just a little. Just a little. <laughs> just a little. If you have not heard those episodes, you really should do yourself a favor and go back and check them out because they are a cornucopia of cinematic celebrations. Oh, absolutely. And and I'll tell you, like, listen listen to all of them. The Travis Stevens ones, Mallory, Mallory O'Mara, I, th- I think they're wonderful conversations. But if you really want a good time, listen to our conversation with Dave. And recognize how ridiculous that got. And I mean, to be perfectly honest, how hammered uh, Dave is. This is whiskey fairy role. We have to have some culpability in this event. We uh, I, we made choices. We willingly took 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 some of his whiskey, uh, and then went right into the Rob Grant interview. Literally right into <laughs> the Rob Grant. Dave stood up. Rob Grant sat down. And we were like, Oh yeah, this is okay. Uh, yeah. But I think we keep it professional. But I, I mean, I, that's joking around a lot, but I think that that kind of speaks to sort of the vibe of the Chattanooga Film Festival. Um, Chris gets into it a little bit in our conversation, um, but it is very much a celebration of film. It's a party. It's a good time, but it's everybody coming together to um, love going to the movies. We've now gone to several film festivals uh, with our mobile pad- podcast unit one. Yeah. And... Uh, I think it's safe to say that the Chattanooga Film Festival is probably our favorite time at the movies. Yeah, I think that's accurate. 
I think that's cool. Like no, like no disrespect to Sundance or Fantastic Fest or anything like that. But the Chattanooga Film Festival is truly special, and I'm not going to spoil why because we're going to talk about it directly in this conversation with Chris. It's about to happen. Uh, the Chattanooga Film Festival is coming up, so you have a chance to partake in it. It is on April uh, 16th through the 19th. It's in the great state of Tennessee in the city of Chattanooga, like the name says. The Noog. The Noog. I don't apologize. I really want to say uh, that. And, you know, uh, come for the movies. Come for the other events. Come for the classes. Come for... Ooh, don't spoil it, Brad. Don't okay. spoil it. Okay, but, but plan to stay th- to, until the morning of the 20th because... There's some stuff There's going some on. There's some stuff going on in the closing night. And uh, yeah, Chattanooga also has tremendous food, most of which Billy can't eat. But <laughs> thankfully, there is a really interesting sushi house not too far uh, from the location where Billy can bring in all the sushi into his body and still have a and, good time. Well, I, I don't know about having a good time afterwards because I, I think when I go to Chattanooga, I'm approximately 67% sushi. So Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. It's, it's a beautiful place. 67% sushi and, I don't know, 40% vodka. So uh, you do the math. It works out for a good time. Yep, 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 yep. So I think I think does that that's, that's does that set it up? I think so. All right, so let's get into it. Yeah, let's throw it over to Chris Dorch. Actually, throw it over to you, and then oh, you throw it over yeah. to Chris Dorch. Let's throw it over to me. All right, me, take it away, <laughs> dork. <laughs> you know it tracks. It tracks. <laughs> All right, we're here. I'm in the dork cave with Brad, and we are hanging out with Chris Dorch who I think we could call is a fellow dork of cinema, uh, who is the the like the grand poobah of the most wonderful place on earth, the Chattanooga Film Festival. Welcome along, Chris. That was an incredible intro. I don't you weren't overselling that at all. <laughs> so, I like that. That made me feel good inside. Yeah, I uh I'm definitely a fellow dork. In fact, I used to get called Chris Dork all the way through public school. Uh with the last name like Dorch, so this feels very appropriate. This feels like a, it's all coming full circle. Right That's now. really what I like to do is like right when the guests first come on the show is I bring up childhood trauma. So now we can go straight <laughs> exactly. to the hard-hitting questions. Smooth <laughs> sailing from here. <laughs> um, so Brad and I first went to the Chattanooga Film Festival uh, two years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I, I think after our first year there, like it, there's something magical about that place that both of us knew that we were going to come back the second year. And, and we're super stoked um, for the third year and what looks like an insane lineup that you guys are working on putting together. It really is. It's it, this is the, like we, we've often been in venues that were, you know, our first couple of years we were at a an AMC that did not want to let us take any risks or do as many special experiential things. And then last year we were like, all right, uh, there, there's software that we can use now that that means that we don't have to be tied to where a cinema server or a ACP server is that we work with these folks out of Portland called Proludio and it's really like freed us up to take the festival to a more interesting location each year and this year we're in a literal guitar museum and there's something that just feels like spiritually on brand about having the festival in the same room as like a guitar that Pete Townsend destroyed like it just uh, I, I really I love uh, uh, this is might be my favorite spot that we've had it and I, I hope you guys will feel like that magic is intact when you come and see a new spot. Uh, I mean, I have no doubts whatsoever. You know, Billy and I, we had lunch uh, before chatting, and we were talking about film festivals and, like, the independent cinema scene. Uh, I had just gotten back from uh, the Sundance Film Festival. And, you know, 
Like sure. they they're like, yeah, and they're celebrating independent cinema, and we're we're selling movies for sixteen and a half million dollars. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, but you know where the real independent film festivals are? They're, they're it's not Sundance, it's Chattanooga. I feel like the the that like go out and do it mentality is truly at the heart of the films that you see at Chattanooga. Man, uh, that means a lot to me. And, and, you know, I've, I've, uh, I had a very similar experience at Sundance a few years back. Uh, I went, uh, it, to give you, you know, some headspace as to how far back this is like it follows and turbo kid were there that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just felt like as a person that spends so much time trying to bake in ideas of like user experience and the vibe and warmth and the inclusiveness that should surround this event. And like, how much it should feel like a legitimate celebration of, of how much we all love movies and, and how much the creators of movies mean to us. Like so I literally felt like I was just like stuck in line at the bank for a lot of Sundance, you know, <laughs> you're being herded through those millions of lines. There's no guarantee you're even going to get to see what you're hoping to watch. Even if you have a, like I had friends with me that were like buying tickets from scalpers that were getting to see things that I wasn't with the badge. And that experience kind of really, sent me home and made me think, all right, what are the million things that I can do uh, with CFF that, that may not be the best thing from a profit standpoint, uh, but so that people who come here do kind of tap into that magic. Because, you know, I know there's a million festivals out there that, that show, you can see great movies in a million places on earth, but to, to cultivate a vibe and a, and what I, what I hope is like a community around your event to me is twice as it almost, yeah, it's up there with the curation of films like that vibe has to be equally curated. And, and, uh, you know, you guys who have even participated in some of our reindeer games, I know, uh, we've got a, a Dungeons and Dragons live alumni. In our yes. I was just hammered for that. <laughs> that's how we do it. Uh, that's part of our secret as well. But, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I, what you said about that means a lot to me. Like, I, I want this to feel like the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory to, to whatever it is that, uh, that Sundance is doing. And that's no disrespect. I've got a number of titles this year that, like, uh, that, that are, you know, fresh out of Sundance. And, and I think they're great films. And, and I certainly think there's great programmers and great people involved. But to me, the human side of this and the reason we all got into it, the love side of it, uh, are things that I never want to be not, you know, a major factor in the equation always. So you use the the community word while you were kind of talking about that. And I like that's something that I think about a lot. You know, when I think about how many movies I watch a year, right, I'm I'm so far removed from what just average Joes do. And when you are trying sure. to kind of push new content to people or interesting movies or different movies than they're getting you know, in the theater as like these big temple things, like you have to build that community for communication. And I, I'm, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what, what it's been like building this space as a community space in Chattanooga for you. It's been, it's been interesting. And I, I love that question a lot. Uh, Cause it, it's something that I think about almost daily. Uh, you know, I come off of, you know, two weeks ago we lost a grant, uh, here in Chattanooga for, for almost $25,000 for someone that uh, didn't told me that they didn't think that the people of Chattanooga really cared what we were doing here. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of at first didn't know how to take that uh, and then sort of reached out and, and uh, asked people who'd been to the festival or you know, in the capacity that you guys have or a filmmaker that had a film here or even just a person that came out and saw one thing 
what did you think? Did you have a good experience? And the, the outpouring of kindness and, and, uh, you know, sort of affirmation of what we're doing here came from so many people in such a short amount of time that it really just, it made me feel that even though a person who could write me a check told me that they didn't think monetarily or from a financial kind of enterprise that, that was worth doing that, from a human angle, like th this, this thing is now so much bigger than me and something that I'm, I need to keep alive. There's so much joy and so many kind, cool people that are, that are around this thing now. And, and so many Dave Lawson's out there that are creating amazing films <laughs> themselves, ambassadors for this thing in, in, in really cool, very passionate ways that like, I just, it's one of those things that we went into this, I went into to trying to create a film festival with absolute naivety as to what it meant or what it would take to do it. And that it's staring down the barrel of year seven. It, I mean, surreal isn't even the right word. I have no idea how the hell we got this far. Like this started as a pop-up movie theater and a way to share movies I loved with people I loved. And when I say people I loved, when I started all of this, I, I really, I had come back to Chattanooga and taken a, just a, uh, can I, I can curse on Oh yes, can I? <laughs> I'm fuck yeah. Yeah, awesome. I thought so. I, I I've even listened before and I couldn't remember. Uh, but yeah, I, I came and just took a really shitty uh, industrial filmmaking job when I came back to town, and and uh, it, it was even though it was like filmmaking adjacent, it just didn't feel right. And this whole enterprise was born out of wanting to find a way to identify more friends for myself, or rebuild a life, and. And have it be, you know, something that was warm and inclusive and, and a lot different than the way I, you know, lived my life or been surrounded by film in the past. Because uh, to give you guys a compliment for all the compliments you've already given me, you know, in listening to your shows and even reading your reviews, so, like, there's such a warmth and a kindness toward film that exists in what you do that is not the state of film Twitter. And I, I want that to exist in film festival form, too. I think that's such a great, such an important thing. You remind people that this is something that's about bringing us all joy and something that's, you know, about love. Uh, hopefully, if you're if you're not too angry about the most recent Star Wars, you know, like kind of thing. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I uh, yeah, it's uh, I just I really the community side of this, it, if, if we were just trying to create a market here, a film market, I don't think it would be the same thing. I don't think people would care. I think we'd maybe already be gone, you know? It's interesting that, you know, I'm, I'm taking everything you just said in there. And again, I appreciate the compliments because that's what Billy and I strive for is a celebration angle versus anything else. But, you know, talking about community and talking sure. specifically about Chattanooga, when I think of the festivals that I attend every year, the Chattanooga Film Festival is the only one I really think of where I have had conversations with attendees from Chattanooga uh like it, to me it seems like right. I encounter lo lots of people from Tennessee at your festival that really appreciate your presence there that's good to hear yeah it really is you know and, and it's funny like one of the things we struggle with we're a nonprofit, and and every one of us to a person is a volunteer like trying to like weave your you know Johnny Appleseed folktale narrative as a hero <laughs> from your community is such a huge part of like getting grants and funding like that and I mean, we literally got turned down for a grant this year by by a company that because we could furnish them with no news clippings in which we were kissing their ass in the press, they wouldn't even consider us for a grant. So it's such like finding funding for something, especially an arts related thing in in this era right now, it could not be more difficult. And to try to focus that on genre film or 
you know, something that isn't just all about prestige dramas, you kind of make it even harder on yourself. So it's like Chattanooga really, it, may, it felt like us trying to put a square peg into a round hole really the first five years. Uh, but now it feels like that community's, you know, the training wheels are off and it, it kind of, that it's there around the festival. And, and now in seeing the way that folks like you guys come back and, and talk about the experiences that you've had here, it just makes me feel really good that that doesn't just exist in my imagination, that it really is something that is palpable and can be felt here on the ground, you know? I do. I, I think a lot about how to, I'm, I mean, cause like once, once you get to a point where you're like running the business and you've got to have content and you've got to monetize and you got to do all this stuff, like how do you monetize like celebration and like togetherness and, you know, coming together as a group of humans to do things? Cause that's, that's what I love about Chattanooga is like when I'm there, there's filmmakers, there's locals, and you're not talking with the filmmakers who are all like, ah, oh, fuck, I guess I got to be here. Um, you know, they're like, oh, did you see this movie? It was fucking rad. And, you know, you can sit down at a circular table and have a conversation with the director of this movie, producer of another movie, and two or three people from Chattanooga who are all just saying what they love. And like, that's, that's fucking special. Um, but I, I don't, I don't envy you your task of figuring out how to keep that alive and, and going. What keeps you going, Chris? How do you? How do you? Honestly, s- <laughs> like I well, you know, I went to see Brahms last night, and uh, uh, that gave me some. Uh, I honestly, man, I still love movies more than anything in the whole world. They're why I wake up in the morning. My friends are all are people who love movies and and make movies at this point, and I've just surrounded myself with this thing that I've loved from the first video store that would hire me at sixteen years old to now, and. It's just I've never really had an appropriate plan B. You know, I've never had anything other than my love for this thing, and it keeps me going. So even though it's not necessarily something that, you know, always keeps me fed, it's a thing that I just love so much that I I couldn't even consider abandoning it at this point. And then once I start, like, every year I'm like, all right, this year you fake your own death and you retire immediately after it's over. And then at the end, when I start seeing all this outpouring of kindness and reading about people's experiences here, it always makes me realize, like, I can't, I can't ever shut this thing down. I'm going to die with this fucking thing. I'm like the, you know, the captain of the Titanic for this, for this festival, you know. Well, take me through the, the process, you know, uh, putting on a festival like this, it, it, it is all consuming. And the year, a single year is you know, it's actually not that many days to get a thing like this done. Once the last festival is over, how much downtime do you have before you're on to the next planning? There's not a lot of downtime, but it's also one of those things where I, if I let myself have that much downtime after the festival, which has been such a like a massive emotional boost, I will get crazy depressed. Mm. So I like, I almost like, what can I do? What can I start working on? Uh, so a couple years ago, it was like I, I know you, uh, uh, Billy, just went and, and uh, moderated all those after after midnight Q and A's in L and A in LA, and God bless you for it. Uh, like a couple years ago after the festival, I went immediately and, and helped Jeremy and Dave and everybody shoot that movie. Mm. You know, I, I was on that. Mm. So I always try to find a project to throw myself into immediately after CFF. And for me, most of the time after after the festival proper we've already started taking submissions for our horror festival, which is the frightening ass film festival. It's an offshoot of CFF, but it's just a single day event usually. And that gives me a little project, like a mini version of CFF to kind of sink my teeth into and, and, uh, and keep things going. But yeah, it really, it, it consumes you for a year and it's really strange to, 
to work on anything. Uh, you know, I, I've often wondered, especially you guys who are constantly, you know, you're creating new episodes, you're writing new reviews. It's it's strange to be in any business where you spend so much time working on something that then you essentially rip up and start from scratch, you know, the next day or in our case, the next year. And it really, I'm always thinking about it. And then there are things that are working out this year that we wanted to do for years and years that only now are people's availability starting to like Barbara Crampton coming with Castle Freak. We have invited Barbara Crampton to this festival every year since year one. We tried to find an excuse to get Barbara down here to celebrate her. So like, I'm stoked that it gets to happen now in the way that it is. But yeah, it's, it's, it feels like it's years in the making often. Well, you, you know, you're talking Castle Freak there. You're talking Barbara Crampton. Let's, let's get into this year's lineup. I mean, how huge was it to score the premiere of Castle Freak for the Chattanooga Film Festival? It's surreal in a couple of different ways. Uh, one, just because of my own history with Fangoria, which is, it's just, it's a magazine that's been a part of my life for so long. Like, I literally got detention for having it in my bag and <laughs> yeah. had a principal treat it like I with porn, you know, like, I, I felt like I was living a Twisted Sister video, you know, like, uh, uh, the, the wraparounds where the parents are, are, uh, are telling me that my life isn't going to lead to anything. Uh, but so, so Fangoria has been a part of my life forever. And then the original Castle Freak was always one that working in the literally dozens of video stores I, I did over the, you know, the course of being about 15 to like 20 years old. Uh, whenever anybody came in and said, I, I've seen Reanimator, I loved it. What else you got? Kind of a thing. The original Castle Freak was something that I put in a lot of people's hands. And uh, it, it's really strange to have it come full circle that not only Fangoria, but Barbara and a reimagining of Castle Freak are starting out our seventh year. It's just bonkers to me. Like, I, I do not think the novelty value is going to wear off until next year's festival, legitimately. Yeah, I think that's something that you need to, like, somehow, like, cut out, I guess, yeah, cut out the press release for Chattanooga Film Festival and put that on your mirror so that every morning you wake up and you see that you have nabbed Castle Freak and Barbara Crampton for the Chattanooga Film Festival because I would be living off of that success probably for the rest of my life. You know, that's I, I'm definitely going to take your advice. I'm going to be like Jamie Foxx and Collateral, just yes. put it above my uh, above my sun visor in the yes. car. It's going to be great. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think I had a very similar experience to you with Fangoria. I would go into bookstores and I would buy it. But I would make sure to buy like six or seven non-horrifying things along with it. Be like, oh, well, here's my Edith Wharton novel. <laughs> here's some Jane Austen. Yeah. And uh, this cover of Angoria with Fulci's Beyond, uh, child head exploding on the cover. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay. So you've got that going on. Uh, and this first initial wave, I understand, is just a tease. But, uh, you know, you've got some yeah. really exciting things within that tease. You know, like Analog Love, I'm really excited about. It's awesome. And Rob is awesome. And, you know, Rob, who's who a lot of folks know from all the way back to the killer POV days, is a guy that loves music as much as he loves horror films. And, and, and as much as I'm excited to have Rob out here for Shockwaves again and to celebrate horror with me, it's really great to have an opportunity to share something Rob did that showcases the music fan that he is. And that's another part of why we're tr we were trying to kind of dream up, all right, what can we do around Analog Love, which is such a fun movie and you're immediately 
immediately going to leave this movie wanting to make a mixtape for someone you love. And that's what kind of led to the creation of these mixtape booths that are going to be throughout the festival this year, where you can sign up for a time and, and we'll provide you with a tape and even an artist who will teach you how to make cover art of your very own. Uh, and, you know, you'll get to take a tape of your very own out of it. And then uh, Christian Hand, uh, James Christian Hand from the from the movie, uh, is who's just hilarious. I don't know if you've you've heard him on on Shockwaves or heard the session. Oh, yeah. This is a guy that broke tubular bells and just gave me such a new perspective and, and appreciation on it, and did it in a way that is not actually dissimilar to like Joe Bob Briggs and what he does. Like I, I think Joe Bob uses humor to make history so much more pal palatable for a lot of people that. It's really cool to have someone who can do that for music at the festival this year. So Analog Love, it's like I'm excited to have it, but I'm I'm just as excited that we get to push that experience further and, and, and do some other things surrounding it, too. Yeah, I mean, that's like what you were saying about earlier with building a community and building an event around Chattanooga. This idea that you have this film and then these listening stations. I mean, I'm going to need to make my own mixtape cover. Like, that's an essential get for Chattanooga this year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You think that way. It's always been like, I, you know, I'm I'm such a a, a fan of of when you you know you go to Disney World and there's that one person with the special pins you got to track down or something that just makes it more experiential and feel more special and the quest of of getting that thing becomes a part of the memory and there's even like a a Bigfoot hunt that's happening here this year along those lines. It was also a way for us to involve like bars and restaurants and places that we loved in town and make sure that people who come that aren't from the city, you know, dip their head into these things and see all the cool things that are surrounding the turf of the festival this year, too. Yeah. Then, you know, with Rob, with Shockwaves, and then you have Rebecca McKendry there with Nightmare University, uh, you know, again, that speaks to the community that you've built and how like everything just sort of feeds uh, everything else. And, and along the uh, missioning Rebecca, uh, we were also playing her brand new short film, Separation, which is amazing. Uh, but uh, we, I've got Rebecca in on helping me do a stage a salute to William Castle, who has long been kind of one of the patron saints of, of, of how we've approached putting CFF together with things from like drunk script reads to live Dungeons and Dragons on down the line. Like uh, I wanted to do a salute to Castle, but not just show a couple of his films. But actually, since Castle was well known for the showmanship that went along with the releasing of his films, find a way to recreate in the theater. And this is a scoop for you here. Yeah. You know, the, that made these movies famous. So Rebecca's not only doing this talk on the life and times of Castle for us, we're doing the Tingler uh, in Shut a way up. that will allow you to actually build. Uh, and the way we found that we're going to do this is fucking hilarious and i think you guys will approve uh, uh we're also doing uh, uh, uh house on haunted hill which which has a really terrific gimmick as well and i think you'll see the spirit of castle kind of plugged into the throughout the festival in fun ways even rob grant's 65 days of static a, a film that you can literally only see by getting off your couch and getting into the room to see it that once to me feeds into the spirit of castle and i hope that vibe goes throughout the the wackiness that you'll experience every day of this thing this year so so okay so we we absolutely have to talk about rob grant's um madness but but before we push to that this is f fucking an awesome idea, man. William Castle experience? I fucking love that. Me, uh, William Castle is is like the P.T. Barnum of cinema. And and uh, I, we, I really love, and, and again, that's why I've, I've brought in guys like Joe Bob or, or 
folks like Rebecca McKendry, who literally has a PhD in, in, in genre cinema, like who can put how fun genre cinema and often how fun it's marketing is into context for people who come to the festival. And every year that we've done CFF, I found myself referencing William Castle in like 80 meetings when I was trying to talk about something wacky I wanted to do. Like a couple of years ago, we showed Dave made a maze and, I was like, we should recreate the fucking maze here at the <laughs> festival. And we did that. We wound up building a replica of that entire fucking maze in an aquarium here in Chattanooga. Holy People shit. had to walk through it to get into this. That was one of those things that like that felt like spiritually something that might align with Mr. Castle, something that might make him smile somewhere, wherever he is. And uh, uh, every year I started thinking, all right, what's another thing I can do that's kind of got the spirit of Castle in it? And I don't. It led me to this year being like, why the hell have I never just done a full-on salute to him? And Rebecca had already. Uh, I ran into her at the Knoxville Horror Film Festival, which good friends of mine run, and I, I got to go out there and, and see Shockwaves uh, do a live episode. And Rebecca was like, "Hey, let's, let's talk about doing a Nightmare University talk at, at CFF." And she and I had originally talked about doing like heavy metal horror movies or something very different. And I just had this thought, like, God, we got to do the William Castle thing. And she was into it and down right away and god bless her has, has been working super hard on putting this this talk together too so i'm just i'm really excited that we got to get to not only pull off a couple of his biggest pranks a couple of his funnest gimmicks but also contextualize how fun and cool what that did for the movies was i i love that you have been able to make these partnerships with these people and like just like it's Candyland. what can we do that's fun but also what Chris is doing with Chattanooga Film Festival is something that I feel like the theatrical experience and or just theaters as a whole should be embracing, right? Like the experiential to to use that key word, like that's what movie theaters need to be doing to get us out of our houses, to get us away from our streaming services. We need to make going to the movies an event, and that's what William Castle always did. You're so right. That, that's it. That, that's such a good way to put it. And then to take that to Rob Grant. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> But I, let's just let's assume that people who are listening to this have not heard like the full fledged like what's what's going on with Rob Grant's thing. Pitch us pitch us the idea for Rob Grant. So Rob Grant is world premiering a brand new film, and and, and hopefully uh, your listeners uh, are familiar with Rob from making the absolutely terrific Harpoon, which I think uh, for for myself and for a lot of people I know it was really a highlight of last year. I loved that movie a lot and was lucky enough to show it pretty early on in its festival run last year. And Rob and his team, Mike and Kurt, these guys came and kind of like Dave Lawson, kind of like you guys, just fit into the fabric of what we do right away. They showed up wearing captain's hats the whole time. They were just kind and wonderful and in the midst of all the fun that we had here. And we just fell in love with them. And, and every year there's somebody who kind of feels like they join our extended family and last year they were among that group and we've been already dreaming up ways for them to come back like for example mike and kurt here's another scoop for you are teaching a uh, producers and any producers workshop uh that's basically about being uh, uh, stuck up shitty film creek without a paddle they are literally teaching the class from inside of a fucking raft uh, their, their email the things they need for their class read like a van halen tour writer it was like one raft a thousand brown eminence <laughs> you know, like that kind of a thing. That class is already going to be fun. But so we'd already been talking to them about coming back. And then one day I get a message from Rob. It's like, hey, man, I've got kind of a crazy idea. Could you give me a call and let's talk about it? And 
it it very uh, i called him and he said what if i had a, i've been making a new movie over the past year and i have this idea that i want to show it once and then that's it that it's a disposable movie and i you know i i think rob himself isn't even using the word destroy because he doesn't think of it as as being a, a destroying of a film he thinks of it as being this experience that was only ever made to be enjoyed once and and something that, like, for example, like the word content is, is kind of a dirty word around here. Everything we're playing is, is a movie. It's someone's love. It's their passion. And often years, especially on an independent level of, of their time. And so I try to be really careful about ever, you know, calling people's, you know, movies content or, or making any filmmaker that comes not feel like a huge part of this. And they're not just a, not just a, a tiny piece in a, in a big puzzle. There's something that makes that puzzle as vibrant as, as it hopefully is in the first place. And Rob feeling comfortable enough and having a good enough experience here at this festival that he thought, you know, I want to fuck up a movie I make as soon as it screens. Who do I call to do that? That we were the first call we made. Means a lot to me. That shows me that, that the bullshit that I see that surrounds this festival isn't just in my head, that it, it's out on the streets and people get that that kind of wackiness, that kind of experiential thing, that memory that, that people are going to make and being in that room is, is, a, is an awesome deal. And, and I don't know. So it meant a lot to me that, that Rob would want to do that here. And I love him and I love his work anyway. Whenever you meet anybody that, that's in this industry that's, that's also so kind, it just sticks in your head. And I, I just I, I love the man anyway and that he trusts us and chose us to do this. This means the world to me. And that's why it's in the closing night position. If someone was going to sacrifice one of their babies in such a way as this it had to have a big slot and and uh i i, I think rob kind of wanted to do it as, as maybe just a lark that we did it somewhere in the festival it felt way too important to just not give it its due and and literally close with a bang so to speak so no reservations when you heard this idea you're just like yes let's do this let's move it to the closing night this is perfect you never went like my first thought actually was like, will you just let me have the rights and I can start a distribution company? Uh, <laughs> like, you know, uh, like, you don't have to destroy it. Let's let's put it out. If, if uh, It's one of those things because as a person who loves movies, the and I mean, literally, our whole, uh, our hashtag, our, our unofficial slogan for CFF has been respect cinema for years and everything that cinema means. And I think the definition is ever evolving and... You know, at first, this felt like it was going directly against that, at uh, you know, respect cinema ethos. But then I started to think about it and think, well, you know, even William Castle has taught me that respecting cinema and the fun and the magic that goes around it can mean a lot of things. And maybe there is a piece of cinema that's designed to only be shown once. And that isn't necessarily something being destroyed. It's us creating this hopefully magical experience around it and also encouraging people to come out and, and check out this festival and and. and you know, give it, give it a shot, you know? So after Rob pitched you this idea and you were like, I mean, I don't know, but fuck yeah, let's make a big deal out of it. When he sobered up the next day and was like, <laughs> what have I done? Can I, can I, was there, was there, did he, did he waffle after the pitch on whether or not that was something he wanted to go through with? Not only did he not waffle, he sent me a photograph that it, we, we had a great conversation actually about how we want to treat this with utmost integrity, which is to say, like, if Rob were to even send me so much as a screener of this movie and I've seen it, well, then that's bullshit. It's never, it's screened more than once. Uh, so we can't do that. And I don't want to see so much as five minutes of this movie 
And there really is only going to be one copy. He's not going to retain a copy. And so we had a really fun conversation about like, how do we do this, but make sure that we're keeping it, you know, keeping the integrity of it and that we're really doing this if we're going to do it. And that a lot of that came from Rob's end. You know, Rob wants to be serious in the way that we've done that. Not only is he not waffled a couple nights ago, it was 4 a.m. and I get a photograph of him and it's a picture of him. And next to him on his couch is a flaming stack of VHS tapes. And yeah, Rob says, I think we can use this as a picture of the movie for the program. <laughs> so uh, he's, he's not only not scared or waffling at all, he's finding fun ways to tease this thing and to put it in context for people. And I, I love that about him. He's really completely fearless in doing this. And to, to, to hear him tell it, even the Rob goes out in between movie movies and makes little projects, as a lot of filmmakers do, just to kind of teach themselves the techniques and to hone the thing, the things that they want to do in their next big project. So for him, this isn't even a throwaway thing. This is something that he really went out and did also to teach himself a lot of new things. And so to, so to me, it like film education is a huge part of the festival here for all the whiskey drenched insanity. That's a part of it. There's always classes and workshops and things that I hope will inspire and not just inspire, but give people some, you know, practical information that if they do want to go out and do this crazy, crazy thing that is creating a movie, that they've got a roadmap a little bit. And to me, this, this, you know, goes part and parcel with that. Rob is reminding filmmakers at a key point in their careers that for a lot of us, it's about the movies, not the movie business, you know, and that's a thing that you got to keep in mind the whole way through. And if you do, your project projects are going to be like somebody like Joe Bigos, you know, you could feel that guy's love and what he is and his influences and everything he does. And I, I just love that dude. And so I don't know. I, I hopefully that was a really long answer. <laughs> oh, no, no, <laughs> but, it's uh, a good one. It's yeah. a good one. You know, like th what, what, what that means though is, you know, to embrace this concept, uh, you're going to have to like really lock it down in that theater, make sure no one's uh, videotaping anything. No one's audio recording anything. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of responsibility to keep the integrity of the event. We, there absolutely is, and we're going to kind of make a make a covenant with that audience uh, that they're going to be the. And also, we can all all of us in that room, and I know you guys are going to be joining me there. We can lie and tell everyone else on earth that this was the greatest thing that we've ever seen, <laughs> and they'll never fucking know. <laughs> yeah, I think one one thing we're definitely going to do is while we're not going to let anybody take a frame of that movie out of there, we are going to encourage everyone to live stream its destruction. And so that will be a thing that every one of us get to share and every one of us get to take pictures, pictures of. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that people will hopefully get in on it. Our secret screening is being handled this way this year, this year, too. And this is the first year that no member of my team know what the hell our secret screening is. I can only tell you that I'm collaborating with Zach Carlson on it and that it may change you forever. And uh, I, I can say nothing else. Uh, <laughs> but it really is like something that. If you don't know what it is going in, you will have more fun experiencing it than if I ever fucking told you. And that's just not fair of me to rob you of that experience. That's amazing. Hey, speaking of destruction, what's the method of destruction for this tape? Do you guys have that planned out? I'm so glad that you asked this question. Uh, I've literally been researching liquid nitrogen for the last couple of days. So this is a really good time to talk to me about this. Um, one of the things that we want to do, and this comes from Rob as well, Rob does doesn't even want to be the guy who necessarily swings the hammer, so to speak, on this thing. Whoever asks the best question about this film and the process of making it during the Q&A, we're going to let that person choose between three methods of destruction. One we know is fire, one we know is a hammer, and the third, if 
they will let me, a civilian, purchase liquid nitrogen. May well be liquid nitrogen. So we'll see. We'll see how that pans out, guys. I mean, I'm sure some local like gastro bistro that leans into the science of cooking has access to liquid nitrogen. I feel like we can make this happen no matter what the the rules are Dude, for this. There's a place that makes milkshakes with this shit. Surely that we can borrow some or something. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Let, let me get a cup of liquid nitrogen, you guys. Where you want to put it in this paint can? How do you transport it? I don't know. Oh, man. Uh, this is why I'm coming to Chattanooga. I'm, I'm coming for a lot of reasons, but whoa. One of the things I was just, you know, looking back on the the, the last seven years, I, I, I'm wondering what, what you have taken with you on this seven-year journey. I'll, I'll tell you, a big thing we learned is that we didn't want to be the kind of festival that people had to come to and... That you know that all the celebrities or all the filmmakers or all the people were there were there because they'd been paid an appearance fee. You know that everybody who was on the ground at this festival was was they, was here because they gave a shit, and often they stay the full four days because they care and because they want to be a part of it. So early on, we had people like I I won't I won't drag anybody's name through the mud, but early on, we had a pretty well-known film journalist write us. And tell us, hey, guys, if you pay to fly me down there, I'll write about your festival and it'll help you. And we paid and flew a person down. And that person not only never wrote a word about our festival, they kind of, you know, ignored us after after <laughs> after that experience. And so it was one of those things where early on we were naive and we thought we needed to try to find ways other than organically just our, our reputation and the fun things you could do here to spread the word on it. Uh, uh, and... Now I don't feel that way at all. I don't ever want to pay a, a reporter or a celebrity appearance fee or anything. I, I think that sort of the the mythos of this festival, doing things like Rob Grant's thing, that helps us kind of get the get the word out about what this festival is better than than anybody could could ever sort of. We've, I've kind of learned a lot about what it means to to actually promote something like mm -hmm. this and to to give people context for why it's special and to not necessarily you know count on a, for example i had a local newspaper write about the festival the other day they can't even get our name right they call us the chattanooga film series the guy oh. also uh quote a list of about five movies that i said he claims that we showed there are movies that we have never fucking shown so, <laughs> i don't even know where this dude got this list so it's like it's one of those things where i've now learned in in that seven years how to remain more flexible in my approach and not let the little goofy things like that bother me because year one, if we got even, you know, one bad review, I was so focused on it that I was ready to just quit this thing and never do it again. And now I feel like I'm, I'm able to learn from, from criticism and I'm able to, you know, I think hopefully take all of that and internalize it and make the festival better year after year. And, and that's not something that, as we were stumbling our way through the first couple of years was, was something that I was even emotionally ready to do. This really has been a thing that we've figured it out as we've gone along. You know, there isn't like a, so you, so you want a Sundance, you know, like, <laughs> like users got uh, sort of thing. You know, uh, tell your ride for dummies. doesn't exist. So it's uh, I don't know. I, I feel good about how organically all of this has come together and how organically it's evolved and, and how many great films we've been offered this year even from people that year one wouldn't have returned our emails is, is just staggering. Honestly, go back to your 14 year old self and tell them that, uh, 
you're going to host Castle Freak with Barbara Crampton in attendance. Uh, that's all you need. That's all the validation. You're so right. I mean, even like going out and getting a pizza with Joe Bob Briggs. This this year, he's not going to get to join us because he's such a busy dude and he's all over the place. And he's still working on this epic finish to a, a lecture on the history of history of exploitation films that he's going to hopefully come back and do in, in 2021. But that was one of those every year there's been some kind of a pinch me moment, like getting to do a secret screening of, of night of the comet with Kelly Maroney a couple of years ago. I don't know if you guys were here, guys were here for that, but no. like, it's just, there's always something every year, no. like the monster squad guys coming out and getting to, to share their doc and, and the original movie with, with folks. It's just, this entire festival is a love letter to my 14 year old self. And I realize every year that in writing that love letter, that there's a lot of other people that have those same touchstones. And there are a lot of people that share these loves as well. And like that in and of itself has kind of helped to build a community around this thing too. There's a, a lot of people I think now know, hopefully that they can trust our case that even if it's something that we're bringing in like a secret screening that they don't know where it is, that if they you know put their faith in us a little bit, that we will steer them to something that they may love forever. You know, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, Chris, that you made a dream come true for my not 14 yourself, my 10 year old self, when you had Wolfman's wow. Got Nards, right? And it got me oh, into yeah. a room with Andre Gower and where we could have a conversation and be friendly and continue that friendship beyond the Chattanooga Film Festival. Yeah. Like that was something that my child self never thought was ever going to happen. And you made that happen for me. So thank you. That's amazing. I, and I, I literally, as, as we're having this conversation, I'm looking at a fucking monster squad inscribed stake that Andre gave me uh, like at that screening. And I, 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 it's same exact experience. I cannot even tell you how often I rented that movie when I was a kid uh, and how much it meant to me. And, and like, I literally met Andre a couple years ago at fantastic fest, sat next to him in an event. And he was like, you want some queso and a beer? <laughs> like, so I was like shooting my pants and, <laughs> The guy was just so kind and disarming that same story. I stayed in touch with him and then staying in touch and that organic friendship that happened at Fantastic Fest led to us finding something down the line to do together. And so much of what CFF is comes from like, like, for example, Travis Stevens, who I'm sure you guys saw Girl on the Third Floor here uh, last year. Travis is coming back to teach this year. It's yeah. just these people that we love that we know that they have more things to share with our audience. Like, Finding any excuse to bring them back and celebrate them is a huge part of this as well. Like, so we're not just having a relationship with someone and saying, what have you done for me lately and showcasing their new movie that we're constantly finding ways, whether it's like Pat Healy teaching an acting class after the year he came to show cheap thrills, like, you know, just people that love the festival and have a relationship with it and, and get it, you know, uh, uh, I think that also adds to, to the warmth that, that hopefully, you know, folks who are just coming for the first time start to feel around it. And then before you know it, they, you know, we've converted them. They're a member of the cult. And I don't know if you went to the endless last year, a couple of years ago, but we've literally made people join cults at this point. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. We're in that cult. We're in that cult for sure. Yeah. That's all accurate. We had some people walk out of that thinking those communion wafers were really going to indoctrinate them into a place they didn't want to be. So, uh, <laughs> look, I, I mean, sacri sacrilegiosity is, is that's all good. I, but I do, I love though that you bring the people back for um, the classes. Like, I mean, the, the idea that alongside of regular like movie festival programming, even experiential aspects of that, you can go and do filmmaker classes with the people who are working in the business. 
I think is a fascinating approach to running a festival. And I just, I like, I absolutely love that. That's a thing, man. That means a lot to me. And, you know, so I went to a film school in Nashville called Watkins that maybe you've heard of this place. And the reason you would have heard of it is that recently the New York times and a bunch of places picked up uh, the fact that they had just been, been absorbed in Nashville by a religious college and all of the instructors were fired. And it was literally kind of a rinky dink fly by night, barely accredited film school. When I went there, like to give you some context, the era that I attended this school, if the light hit the building right in the day, you could still see where the building it was in said mattress factory showroom, like not exactly a great place. Uh, And my experience in film school was a lot of pretentious guys kind of being bullies to a lot of, you know, people that were just earnestly there because of a love of movies. And I had such a miserable experience in film school, but also a couple of very positive experiences with instructors in that same environment that I wanted to try to create something here that gave folks the film school that I never, in effect, got to have. And I know a lot of people that, I'm not saying all film schools are bad, but my particular experience with it was really negative and, and filled with a lot of, you know, emotional abuse and dumb shit that, again, all of those experiences went into trying to create something that was the opposite of that with CFF. And so it means a lot to, to hear you mention that that's an, a part of the festival that you've attended and that you you got what we were going for or got something good out of one of those classes or workshops. Yeah. I the, the idea of like community, right? Community is not just about getting people to come around you. It's it's about giving back to them and and doing stuff that they can benefit from. And so to me that just feeds right into the ethos that is CFF is um like you say respect cinema and make a community and that's all part and parcel, which I think is fucking rad, dude. Thank you. Um is there, is there anything that you're super excited about for this lineup? that we just haven't casually stumbled into in conversation. Gosh, uh, one thing we haven't talked about at all yet, and a movie that I hope you'll put on your list if you haven't seen it already, uh, although I, unless you're coming to going to South by Southwest, I, I think it's screened once in Mumbai, but there's a film called uh, Cargo that's playing here that is just this absolutely amazing piece of, of uh, Indian science fiction cinema that I cannot recommend to you enough. And of, of kind of our first volley, that was one that I think it kind of seemed like I snuck it in there to, to a lot of folks, but I just, I loved it so much. I wanted it to be one of the first titles that started to get out there associated with the fest because I just, I hope that people will kind of put it on their list. And like, I always, uh, we have a lot of people that in, in hearing that CFF is a quote unquote genre fest, I think just assume that we're showing nothing but horror films. And, in, and that doesn't bother me, or I'm certainly not ashamed of my love of horror films, but I don't want anybody to be turned off of coming to the festival because they weren't, you know, given enough context for how special, how many things that we have are. And I know you guys have seen Synchronic already. That's a movie that it's not fair to really put it in any particular genre box. It does a ton of different things. And so much of the festival, especially this year, blends genres so beautifully that it really does become tough to, to you know, put this festival into context for somebody that would much rather see a prestige drama than, than maybe, you know, anything described with a genre tag. And and so, I don't know, it, it's one of those things that I, I, I struggle, I want to find, you know, new ways to, to let people know to take a chance on some things with, with, with this place. And Cargo is one of those things that I hope will be on a lot of lists. Yeah, you've got you've got me hooked on it. Sold. I, I, yeah, I want to see Cargo now. Um, okay, so let's. Uh, what, what do we need to do now, conversation wise? Well, how we does need, conversations we, work? We need to ask Chris 
Where can our listeners uh, find you online? Where can they learn more about the Chattanooga Film Festival? You're such a pro. <laughs> That's beautiful. I, I forgot that part, too. Um, so, yeah, uh, if you just go to chatfilmfest.org or find us on Twitter or Facebook, you can just look for Chattanooga Film Festival or Chat Film Fest. Uh, all the information about the movies that we've released this far is up there. You can buy badges right now, which... Uh, to let people know, uh, because seating is limited for the Rob Grant thing, without a badge, that's actually the only way that you're able to get into that one screening. Uh, but everything else, we really try not to exclude people, even if they only have a couple dollars in their pocket and they want to see just one thing. So closer to the festival, individual tickets will go on sale. There's even some free things, like here's another fun scoop for you. And I uh, I know you guys share my affection for this movie, and I'm not just saying that because I worked on it. Uh, we're doing a free screening of After Midnight. Uh, oh, and just yeah. making sure that we give that movie a little more love. Uh, so it's just uh, just one more way to, to, to kind of offer something to the community that they cannot, even if they don't have a dollar in their pocket, to come and, and be a part of the festival, that they can attend something you know brand new and kind of wonderful. Listeners, if you haven't done so already, get on that website. Go get your badges. You do not want to miss the Chattanooga Film Festival. Like, And honestly, anywhere you are on the East Coast, Brad and I drive there. It's seven hours? Seven hour drive? I don't know if it's just seven hours. It's nine hours. Yeah, it's like nine hours. But like the drive is easy. Um and the, the conversation that's hard. It is it is the conversation <laughs> that's hard. Holy shit. <laughs> Thank uh, you guys are pretty handle with the drive as well. Nobody covers that. Nobody covers those. Facebook Live. <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is all things that people need to know. It's all I'm saying is it's a it's affordable. You can drive to there. You can fly to there, um, and and it's and it's something that you should do. And Airbnb is super cheap uh, around that time of year, and so we can yeah. get a good deal there. So yeah, there's no excuse. Exactly. Man, right. you guys have sold this better than I ever could, and bless you for doing so. It really means a lot. <laughs> Briss, I'm uh, really looking forward to it. Thanks for talking to us. And uh, anytime, thank yeah, you guys, we'll, it's an honor. I'm such a fan of everything. Oh, thank you. Uh, we'll definitely continue this conversation when we get down to Chattanooga. I want to talk comic books with you. We haven't like had official sit down. Oh, let's dude, talk man, comics. Yeah. Oh, please. Let's do that. Uh, there's a couple of great places in town too, including our friends, infinity flux that you got to check out if you haven't had a chance. I so yeah. Uh, let's do that. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. This was awesome, man. Thanks a lot. Anytime. And there you have it. I mean, I think that that conversation delivers on every promise that we made that Chattanooga Film Festival is a wonderful place. Not, but not, not only that. Like, obviously, everyone who's listening to this now is going to go to the Chattanooga Film Festival on April sixteenth through the nineteenth. That's right. But like, Chris is such a genuine dude. Yeah. You know, we were sending him lots of compliments, and they are all a hundred percent genuine. I am so incredibly impressed, uh, a little jealous uh, <laughs> of of what he has built in yeah. Chattanooga, uh, and, and you know. When you every time we go to Chattanooga for the film festival, we come away re-energized, rejuvenated. Um, our creative juices are flowing strong. Uh, that's disgusting. I mean, uh, you made that really juicy sound, but 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 it's accurate because goopy. I, I throw myself into my own uh, ventures when I leave the Chattanooga Film Festival. Yes. I think at any point in the year, um, that is the point at which I feel like I can achieve the most, to be honest. And I think it's, it is because, like, I don't know, man, you go to a lot of places and, and you work around people who work in the industry, and I think it's very easy to become cynical or jaded um, or unhappy about how things are. And 
like the love for movies there is i don't know man earnest earnest is the right word like it's it's very much wearing their heart on their sleeve and you don't get to see that that often and that whole festival just exudes that and yeah it's just a, it's a really warm kind of place and everything chris was talking about in this conversation is just part of phase one of the rollout yeah. uh, of the festival there are, are a whole bunch more movies coming uh to the festival he's going to unload those upon us uh in a strategic manner as you heard yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but billy like for you everything we talked about with chris is there one thing in there that you're more excited about um for me I, well i mean i i have a a really deep love for after midnight so when he dropped that in there at the end um saying that they're going to do a free screening for that i think that's great but for something that i haven't seen i am absolutely fascinated by this rob grant thing I, I it's not even that i think it's a good idea or a bad th- bad idea i just that is an interesting choice yeah. to make for how a project. do you top the crispin glover performance from last year you that. invite everybody to watch a movie and then you destroy that fucker <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, you know, but that's funny, though, that you say the Crispin Glover thing, because Crispin will not release copies of that movie. He's never going to put those things up for distribution. They are 100% designed to be experiential. Uh, fuck. I don't want to say experiential experiences, but it's... <laughs> you could just say they're designed to be experiential. experiential right. Yes. That's, that's how sentences work. That's how the English language works. You can <laughs> just stop. Uh, no, but yeah, they're designed to be experiential. And so I think Rob leaning into that in a slightly different way still embraces the experiential nature of it i just as a person who loves independent film i understand the resources that get involved when you try and put these things together and how hard it is the attraction and it is shocking to me that you could for like an artistic intent confine that to one screening i i don't know if i i don't know if i could do that with my thing but i think it's absolutely interesting that he is choosing to do that with his thing uh yeah i'm extremely excited about that i would be lying and not myself if i didn't say that the barbara crampton uh castle freak remake was not my number one anticipated thing i cannot wait to see that movie i like chris love the original film am obsessed with barbara crampton yeah uh and i just i just really really interested to see if they can pull off something new with that idea, mm-hmm. um, you know, what Fangoria has been doing with their films, you know, VFW just came out. Yep. Uh, I'm a big fan of VFW. I'm a big fan of Joe Bigos. I'm a big fan of that cast. Uh, plug, plug for ourselves. Go back and listen to our episode from a few weeks back where yep. we talked to the entire cast plus Joe. Um, I love that conversation. It's one of my favorite episodes. Uh, so, yeah, I l- let's see what this new Castle Freak is going to be. Crossing my fingers. On the other hand, <laughs> while that is my number one, challenging my number one is this whole William Castle revival thing that he dropped on this episode. The the idea of bringing experiences back to the cinema, where it, like it's in the progress of the movie, kind of like you know William William Castle's almost like circus like appreciation mm-hmm. for performance and experience. Like I love that. I love that idea, and I love that they're thinking about the challenge about how to actually practically do that. Sure, um, and bring that back to life. I saw the Tingler mm, five years ago at the AFI Silver in Maryland, and they put uh, blowers underneath the seats so that when the tingler was loose upon the theater, Mm -hmm. it would spray your ankles. And that was really cool. (laughs) And then they hired the usher 
uh, or they didn't, I mean, they've already hired the usher, but they got the usher <laughs> to be a, a, attacked by the tingler at the front of the screen and then run down both aisles screaming with this big giant plastic tingler yeah. on his chest. So uh, that was easily a cinematic highlight for me. And I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how they replicate that for Chattanooga, this new venue that they've got. And also House on Iron Hill. That skeleton better fly. I want to see that skeleton. <laughs> So, yeah, that's what I'm most excited about. Uh, but everything that he talked about, it's hard not to be excited about all of those things. I find that they usually have pretty good taste. And, I mean, uh, like our our experience at the first chess festival that we went to, um, Chattanooga Film Festival that we went to, was, you know, Beck's, um, who's Be- uh, uh, Beck's, Rebecca Felbin, who's their PR person. Absolutely wonderful human. And every great, I think, truly great experience we've had there has been at her direction. But when we first went there, she would be like, you need to go in and listen to this presentation. And the first one that she did that to us with was um, Grady Hendrix's mm. Paperbacks from Hell, which I didn't know what that was. I had no idea. I, I didn't even know to be excited about it. And I sat down and I think that's one of the best things that I've ever done or gotten out of the Chattanooga Film Festival. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then Chris made mention of it, uh, the uh, live D&D hosted by C. Oh, Robert man. Cargill that you partook as, as Bob the Wizard. Bob the Wizard. Um, My name is... Bob. Yeah, and I'm not sure I've ever been so drunk uh, <laughs> than watching you get drunk and passing all the brown liquor my way. But you know what's going to be interesting? This festival, I can't do alcohol anymore. Yeah, so how's that going to work for I you? I don't know. Well, I don't so you're know. definitely going to be the designated driver then. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so needless to say, we just did an entire episode about the Chattanooga Film Festival. We're pretty darn excited. Yes! April 16th through the 19th. Get your passes now. Do not miss it. Drive nine hours. It's no big deal. It it really actually isn't. Um, and the city is very affordable. So, I mean, go and do it. Bring that, some friends. That sushi buffet. Taco sushi. It's a thing. Sushi buffet. Airbnb with a few friends. The tickets are pretty affordable. Everything is affordable. You can do this. Go to there. You want to go to there. So you definitely want to go to Chattanooga. Um, but that's not the only film festival that we have on the horizon for local listeners. Um, and honestly, anybody on the East Coast side, you're going to want to check this one out too. What else do we got coming up? Uh, at the Alamo Draft House in Winchester, Virginia, which we are the official podcast for. No big deal. They are having their Lost Weekend 13 film festival. It's 44 movies, yes. 31 advanced screenings, yes. all for the price of $40. Yes. And I believe they have some tickets left. Yes. So yeah, make sure you do that. Uh, we're sponsoring a film there. We're sponsoring the movie Same Boat. And the uh, producer and actress from that film will be on site to discuss that film. We'll be joining our podcast as well to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is a festival that we've been going to for a very, very long time. It starts Thursday night on the 19th of um, March and then takes you through the Sunday, uh, the 22nd. So again, 44 movies. 31 advanced screenings, $40. I mean, you guys, like, this is what you should take away from this. Film festival experience, you don't have to go all the way to Fantastic Fest. I know some of us do. You don't have to go all the way to Sundance. I know some of us do. You don't have to go to faraway places um, to do these things. Like, they are in your local area, and they are affordable. Um, Come out and celebrate some movies. Yeah, for sure. Uh, And let's see. We got other exciting episodes on the horizon. Uh, Next week, we are going to finally kick off... uh, 
our Sundance Film Festival coverage. Okay. Uh, Lisa and I spoke to Nat Faxon and Jim Rash, the directors of The Way, Way Back and the new film Downhill, the remake of Force Majeure. Um, that's a really, really fun conversation. Uh, why would you remake a film like that? We get into it. Um, <laughs> and, and, and how they uh, visually differentiated their version of the story from what had come before. And I, I really enjoyed that aspect of the conversation. Uh, and Billy, you went out to Los Angeles. I did. I did. So I went out to Los Angeles to host. Um, this is, I mean, my love for After Midnight is true and genuine. I flew to L.A. so I could moderate the Q&As uh, for some local screenings of that over four nights. Uh, and while there, uh, I captured a conversation with uh, director Alexander Philippe. Uh, you might have seen him for uh, 7852, uh, the doc about the shower scene from Psycho, and uh, also uh, most recently Memory, um, Origins of Alien. Um, but we have an awesome conversation about his totally bonkers idea to revitalize the Star Wars franchise. And we talk about, we use that as a lens to talk about creative risk-taking and filmmaking and what it means to be a narrative filmmaker or a documentarian and whether or not there's actually a line between those. Um, and then I also had a great conversation with Bria Grant, uh, who was the star of uh, After Midnight. Uh, but she's also written and starred in a movie called Lucky that's going to be premiering at South by Southwest. Uh, and we talk uh, a little bit about some of her other work. Uh, and is Alexander Felipe the first filmmaker to return to the ITMA chat cast? Because he kicked off this entire series. He, Yeah. So he is our first guest for the official uh, chat cast. I think that he is the first guest to return. Yeah, I, think. I mean, if you go back into our old classic In the Mouth of Darkness feed, you know, Dave yeah. Lawson's been on it before. Travis Stevens has been yeah. on it. But on this feed, I yeah. think he's the first. Yeah, I think he's the first for the Chatcast feed, which yeah. no big deal. No big deal. No big that's, deal. That's just how we roll now. So we've got those plus more Sundance coverage. Because some of us go to Sundance. Some of us go to Sundance, which is a very nice festival, but not as good as the Chattanooga Film Festival. We've established <laughs> that. Um and yeah, I think that's really going to take us right into Lost Weekend. We're going to do some interviews there and then Chattanooga. So we're covered for the rest of this year, or at least the rest of this half year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think we've got we've got quite a bit of work coming. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's exciting to get back into the mix of it again. So be sure to follow our other dorks, Lisa Gullickson, at Sidewalk Siren on Twitter and Instagram. She's on Letterboxd sometimes, but not often enough. So go pester her to get back on Letterboxd. Uh, Darren Smith at the Disco Dork on all social medias. He's on Twitter, but not really, so just ignore him there. Uh, Brian Young, you can follow him at the Turtle Dork on Twitter, at the Turtle Dork One on Instagram. B Young Video is his production company. Uh, you should see the drone footage that he took. Man, I saw some of that. It's pretty gorgeous. Yeah, actually. yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He, he's he's taking some really cool some footage to celebrate Lost Weekend 13. So send some love his way. Give him some of those likes on Instagram. Uh, Billy, Billy, where, where can our listeners, uh, find you? Yeah. So you can find me at WB Das on Instagram, uh, Twitter and Letterboxd. I am actually on Letterboxd now. Um, and you can also find me, uh, at Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventure. That's at B-A-C-E-A podcast where I talk movies with my 10 year old daughter. what you just cover? Uh, let's see. We right now are in a musical phase. Uh, so we did Singing in the Rain, um, West Side Story, and I'm not sure what's next after West Side Story, but uh, that's where happiness of the catacurries. 
<laughs> Not this go round. Not this go round. That's musical round two. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventure scoop you just heard right there. Uh, what about you, Brad? Where can people find you? You can find me on all social medias at MouthDork. You can follow this podcast at ItModcast on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Lisa and I are getting back into the Comic Book Couples Counseling Podcast. We're returning to our Rogue and Gambit conversation yeah. using the book Eight Dates as our relationship guide. I, I can't believe how many Rogue and Gambit fans are out there in the world. It's easily our most popular series that we've done with that podcast. Uh, and I'm a little scared to stop talking Rogue and Gambit. But I mean, honestly, like in our peer group, right, and people our age, I feel like the Rogue and Gambit relationship is the one. I mean, because Rogue and Gambit had a relationship on the cartoon series. In the, the 90s, series. in the cartoon series. Yeah, I guess. Like for me, I was always, you know, a Scott and Gene fan, you know, Team Jot all the Ugh. way. Um, I know, I know. We get that was our Whiners. first couple. That <laughs> was our first couple. We got, you know, we weren't all. We 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 hit. We we discussed their flaws. Okay. Um, yeah, this is any, just one man's opinion. Anyway, anyway, uh, you can find that podcast at CBCC Podcast on all the social medias. And uh, Aaron Prescott and I just dropped a new episode of the Rest in Pictures podcast where we celebrate. Uh, the lives and careers of those who have left us. We just covered Buck Henry, and that was a lot of fun to record. I just listened to the beginning of that episode. I sound more manic and crazy than I usually do. And okay. I've cut out caffeine, so that's Have you really? Weird. Yeah, I've cut out caffeine, yeah. Whoa. That's not true. That's a lie because Didn't I just had tea today. I was going to say. I'm supposed to cut out caffeine. <laughs> I'm working on it. It's... <laughs> It's a work in progress, Billy. It's hard. It's, hey, man, yeah. you're, you're talking to me. It's hard yeah, to cut yeah, things out of your diet. I'm supposed I get it. to cut out caffeine, and I've, I've done it for the most part. I've been drinking decaffeinated coffee in the mornings. So oh, why? Because I need some kind of brown liquid but in my body. Does coffee taste that good? The, oh, yes, absolutely. But you want delicious. even the decaffeinated version of yes, it? Yes, 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 I do. I do, I do. Okay. All right. You so, must. Yeah. I think that does it. I think we've covered all the bases <laughs> about my body. <laughs> Tell uh, us more about brown liquid in your body. I think we need to move on and say goodbye, good night, good luck, all those things. Love, peace, and soul. What other catchphrases can I think of to drop right here? We are out of here. Take care. Visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams? Okay. <laughs> brown liquid in my body. So I'm glad you brought that back up after I said it. Yeah. And now I'm talking about chocolate milk. <laughs> 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 <laughs>